Blog Talk Radio. Interviewing your favorite musicians, comedians, and other creative souls. This is the Carrie Edelman Show. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Carrie Edelman Show. I am so excited today as we have the guitarist Corey calling in from the hard rock metal band Trivium. So it's going to be a great interview. We're going to take you on a really cool journey about his background, getting into music, and uh, of course promoting their album Silence in the Snow, which is currently out now. So let me do a nice introduction for them because I know these guys are busy. They're currently on tour, and then we will bring Corey on the air. Okay, so... Hardcore metal band Trivium, these guys have demonstrated seriously through all the research I've done on them uh, that their music has had such a strong impact on the metal world and definitely can stand the test of time. These guys formed their band over 15 years ago, and it has went on to release seven studio albums and selling over one million copies. Their album Shogun was number one in the UK. It was followed up by their album In Waves, which also charted on the Billboard Top 200, landing at number 13 and then hitting number one on the hard rock chart, while their other album Vengeance Falls, which came out after that, would go on to land in the top 15. These guys have shared the stage with national acts such as Black Sabbath, Iron Maiden, Metallica, and Korn, to name a few. And currently they are out promoting their new album. Well, it's not really new. I can't say that. To me, it's personally new because I really feel that their music is timeless. I mean, it's been out since October, but it feels like it was just released yesterday. And But they're still promoting it, and they're currently on the World's Loudest Month Tour, so definitely check these guys out on a show right now and pick up a copy of their album, Silence in the Snow. For more information, you can visit them. Go to Trivium.org. So let's uh, bring Corey on the air so we can start the interview. Hey, Corey, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. Thank you so much for coming on today to promote the album. No problem. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, yeah, what I'd like to do for time purposes, because I know that you guys are on tour and you're super busy, I always like to start out with some background information to really get to know kind of how you got involved in music and where you are today. So let's start out. um, I know the band is from Florida, correct? Yes. Yeah, we're based out of Orlando. Okay. And is is that where you grew up as a kid and were born? No, I grew up in Maine. Um, I just oh, moved okay. down to yeah, I moved down to uh, Orlando to go to college, and that's how I ended up running into uh, wow. the band. Okay, so let's uh, before we get into that, let's digress a little bit and tell me about you know what was it like growing up in Maine? What were you like as a kid? And you know some interesting things that you liked to do before you got into music. Um, I grew up pretty much in the middle of nowhere, so there wasn't a whole okay. lot to do. Um, Except for, you know, just kind of play a lot of sports, you know, growing up, you know, I played soccer and, and mostly uh, ice hockey. And then uh, I did that all the way through high school and stuff. So I played sports and then eventually got into uh, guitar and, and rock metal music. And that kind of uh, became number one priority over uh, you know, really focusing all my time on sports. Okay. How old were you when you started to get into music and picking up the guitar and, you know, if you can remember, you know, kind of farther back, one of your earlier memories of, you know, what inspired you and kind of took your interest in the hard rock music and guitar? Um, I never really paid much attention to too much music as a kid. I mostly just heard what, you know, my older sister, my, uh, my parents played and nothing really ever kind of struck me as uh, like an interest. And then, uh, probably when I was about 12, 
twelve thirteen ish uh, probably is, uh stumbled across uh Guns N' Roses Use Your Illusions two album and uh I got really just fascinated by the sound and the music. You know, Guns N' Roses in general, I got really really into them. And then uh just from watching you know, I had some uh, concert uh, VHS tapes back then of uh, right. <laughs> Guns N' Roses, pl- Guns N Roses playing live, and I just watched them over and over again. And then I just kind of went from air guitaring to you know being interested in like kind of cool to you know get a guitar. And then once I got one and started playing it, it was it became became pretty 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 big thing for me. So uh, it pretty much all stemmed from just kind of uh, being introduced to Guns N' Roses as a kid, and then it just then I from there just kind of you know discovered more and more bands, got into like Metallica and Megadeth and Iron Maiden, and mm-hmm. just was a you know just got into it, and then you just became you know so obsessed with it that uh, you just kind of like wanted to find more and more cool bands, and then it just you know spawned into going into all these different subgenres of of metal and stuff like that that I just kind of kept learning more about it. So it was just like a, just became a big interest, and then just kind of wanted to find out more and more of of you know what was out there okay okay yeah very interesting with your family did your older sister or your parents play any instruments or were they just kind of fans of music that were listening to it a lot while you were growing up oh uh, they just kind of you know listen listen to music i can't really think of there wasn't really anyone in my my family or any relatives that played instruments or were in music so i was kind of like the uh the odd guy that uh, kind of okay. randomly got into uh you know playing guitar and you know i think i think my uncle now he he started playing guitar like like a year or two ago and stuff so he's using some of my old gear that i left at my parents house so um, nice and then i have some other you know i hooked up you know some of my my cousins you know with guitars that were interested but i don't know how how seriously took it but uh you know i was pretty much the lone gun when it came to uh you know playing playing an instrument Okay. Okay. And if you don't mind me asking, what is your what did your parents do for work growing up? What did your sister do? Just to again incorporate some interesting stuff about your background. Um, uh, my mom, uh, she uh, she's a speech language pathologist, so she does uh, nice. uh, helping people with disabilities or injuries uh, learn how to speak again. And then uh, my dad was uh, works for a big uh, concrete supply company as a salesman, and. Uh, and my sister does. Uh, she's uh, uh, trains trains horses and and oh, performs. Wow. Very cool. So yeah, she, very interesting. So, yeah, so she she does all the like the horse performance stuff. So she's all into stealing uh, uh, all my uh, <laughs> instrumental guitar CDs as a kid to uh, ride 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 to them. <laughs> interesting. Very cool. Different. That's awesome. Really cool. Okay, so like you said, um, growing up, you're playing. You're getting really fascinated into metal. Like you said, subgenres. Did you take any formal lessons, Corey, or was this something that you know you just really worked hard at and honed your own skills? Yeah, I just you know would play uh, as much as possible, and a lot of the stuff I learned or got better at playing guitar in general was just I would just you know learn like. Metallica, Iron Maiden songs, and just crank the CD in my room and play along to them. That was pretty much how I learned how to sing and play guitar. Was just you know singing and playing along to Metallica CDs and stuff like that. So uh, learned a lot from just you know other people's music and how to write songs. And then uh, you know I, I did uh, for a couple of years. I I took lessons you know like once a week at a music shop and stuff. But uh, 
you know, it was kind of a blend of uh, mm-hmm. you know, taking some lessons and then also just kind of uh, hearing something on a record or hearing somebody play and being like, oh, I wonder what he's doing there. And just kind of like teaching myself how to, how to try to recreate it or, or find uh, trans you know, music transcriptions and the, you know, learning from that. So uh, it was just like, just from being interested in it and interested in the, you know, the way people played and the sound of the guitar, just kind of, there's always something to uh, try to learn. So I spent a lot of, a lot of late, late nights, you know, or all the afternoons just, you know, learning other people's stuff and trying to figure out how they're doing all this cool stuff. Okay, cool. Um, so when you were in high school, like you said, you started to really get into guitar and kind of sports were, you know, getting put on the back burner, so to speak. Were you in any bands in high school before you eventually moved down to go to college at uh, Full Sail University? Uh, I had uh, I had some, you know, there was like two other people in my town that actually like new metal or liked the metal that I liked. So, uh, yeah, it was just like me and, uh, me and two friends, you know, it was like just two guitars and the drum. We, you know, never had a bass player or anything. It was mostly just, we would just jam on the weekends in my, my buddy's mm-hmm. basement and, uh, just kind of, we would, you know, write songs. We had a bunch of our own songs that we would play. And then we just learned a lot of, uh, pretty much played a lot of, uh, Metallica covers. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, right. Uh, yeah, it was, it was nothing, uh, nothing too crazy. You know, we would, you know, I had like my own, uh, like four track recorder that we would like, you know, mess around and make demos. And we made some couple demos, um, of just songs that we, we had written. And then, uh, yeah, it was we played like one gig ever, you know, at a battle of the bands. And that was, that was about the most, the most that ever happens. <laughs> Right, right. So nothing real formal, like you said. You were kind of dabbling and, you know, working with your friends and stuff like that. Okay, so let's uh, definitely fast forward a little bit to talk about. So tell me about going to Full Sail University and what were your, you know, plans going to school down there? What were you majoring in? Yeah, I was, uh, you know, always, number one was always wanting to play in a band for for a living. But uh, where I grew up, as I, I said, there wasn't really a whole lot going up there or, or you know, opportunities to do anything with music. So um, I ended up going to Full Sail for uh, recording since, uh, if, you know, I didn't have a band at the time, but I wanted to do something with music. So I thought maybe like the, the recording mm-hmm. um, studio stuff would be, be something cool to do. And then luckily that, you know, like, like a week after moving to Full Sail, I ended up running into the band playing at a club near Full Sail, um, the local band at the time, but uh, went there. They're opening for another band that I knew of, so me and some friends went, and I ended up seeing Trivium, and ran into Matt's dad at the bar, and you know, kind of stayed in touch. And then a year after that, they were I saw on their website they're looking for a for a second guitar player because they're only a three piece when I when I knew wow. about them. And uh, okay, I saw them play, play a bunch, and then Matt and I became buddies. And then I never mentioned anything about you know, joining the band or anything. Cause I was figured they were, you know, content as a three piece. And then, uh, like I think two months before I was supposed to graduate full sale, they were looking for a, a second guitar player and I hit Matt up, went over to his house and, uh, we jammed and that was, that was it. <laughs> wow. That's a really cool story. So did you end up graduating full sale or did you leave just to start with the band? No, no, we are. Uh, I, I graduated because uh, oh, cool. we hadn't even been, uh, you know, we hadn't been signed to Roadrunner or anything like that. So um, it was just, you know, they were they had a 
one record, the the very first record on a small German label, um, that was about ready to come out a couple months after I joined. So they had that going, but uh, you know, nothing crazy big happened yet. Um, so it was right. So I graduated and just stayed, you know, stayed in Orlando, and I've never left. <laughs> Wow, really cool, really cool story. Because I'm always curious to see how you guys came together. Because you won't, you joined with them around in 2003. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So right, and it was shortly after you joined with them that you know Roadrunner, right? You were signed to this. They were signed to that smaller label, and then Roadrunner comes in. How long after that was that? About a year or two years after that. Well, we, uh, I joined. Uh, it was like August 2003, and then. Mm-hmm. You know, we would, uh, you know, pretty much, you know, every day since, you know, I was pretty much like, you know, homeless. <laughs> oh, um, no. <laughs> you know, we didn't, we didn't really have anything to do. Like once Matt got out of school, you know, we would just go, go to our rehearsal spot and just play. And that's pretty much how, you know, we just would not, we didn't really have any shows or we weren't touring or anything. So, a lot of the material for Ascendancy was just like, you know, us jamming every day after, you know, pretty much after school jamming, you know, with Matt. Okay. Um, so it's just kind of a lot of just improvising and jamming and stuff. And a lot of the songs for that record just came out of us just, you know, having nothing else to do but just go play. And, uh, you know, the first couple songs, we, we'd written three new songs um, after I joined the band and it was a lot different than, than Ember to Inferno because it was like, you know, we kind of incorporated being able to do stuff with two guitar players. So, uh, we were having a lot of fun with just experimenting with adding like different layers of, of parts to the sound. And, you know, Matt's mm-hmm. dad randomly one day when we got back from practice, Matt's dad was like, Hey, do you guys got any new songs done? We're like, yeah, we got about three, three or four, you know, that we're working on. And he's like, how about you guys go in and, and go in the studio and make a, a new demo? And we're like, what for? And he's like, ah, oh, just, you know, I think it'd be good to have it. So we went into, <laughs> we went into audio hammer and, uh, you know, we recorded like lights of the flies, the deceived and blinding tears will break the skies. And we had those demos. And then, uh, once, you know, and luckily we had those cause, uh, one day we got back from practice and Matt's, Matt's dad, you know, he was managing us at the time, uh, told us like, Hey, go upstairs and check your email. And we're like, all right. So we went up there and it was uh, an email that get forwarded to us from, uh, Monty Connor from Roadrunner. And at, at the time we weren't like, you know, so savvy with knowing people in the industry. So, uh, we looked up, right. we looked, we looked him up and saw all the bands he had signed and we were just like, Oh crap, you know? And it was pretty much one of those emails like, hey, I heard one of your songs from Ember to Inferno on a compilation CD. Um, mm-hmm. Really interested interested in the band, like to see where things, you know, progress moving forward. So it was kind of like, you know, we were on their radar, but it wasn't like anything crazy. And luckily we had, you know, a couple months before that, we had recorded those songs and we sent them the demo for Like Like to the Flies. And it went from, you know, uh, interested to I want to sign you guys like right now. <laughs> so wow, it, uh, that's amazing. It definitely, it was definitely that that song. Um, you know, was definitely what was the uh, kind of like the, the the deal sealer. Like he could see that like you know what we were doing moving forward from the first record was you know definitely a lot. You know, we stepped it up a lot more mm-hmm. in the song department that uh, that made him really really interested in the band. And uh, you know, I think we we actually signed the deal you know, maybe like a couple months after that. So it was 
was pretty pretty fun. <laughs> Congratulations! No, that's it's just amazing. I mean, there's so many things that when I was doing my research about you guys, I mean, and to digress real quick, was Matt's dad a, a manager or something? Was he involved in the music industry? Yeah, he was. He managed Trivium from uh, the early, you know, when the band was a local band till uh, right. You know, up until he was he was co-managing up. Um, he managed, and then we got a another another manager. Um, so he was co-managing for like the first or the first two albums with Roadrunner, and then he kind of uh, kind of stepped out of the the uh, right. the music business side of things. And so, um, but he was okay. a, yeah he was a big uh, big part of the uh, the team. You know, in the formative years of the band, you know, getting getting off the ground and kind of starting our career. Definitely. And I mean, I mean, the one thing that really stood out to me when I was, you know, reading about you guys was that, I mean, you've been with Roadrunner pretty much ever since you signed with them. And I mean, that's something I've interviewed so many national bands and usually there's at least one label change, if not multiple. So, you know, tell me a little bit about what it is about Roadrunner and the evidently very supportive and solid relationship that you have with them to sustain this over, you know, whether it's 13, 14 years now. I mean, it's just really mind blowing. Yeah, yeah, we were uh, definitely from when we signed. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of bands come and go, or bands that get signed and then they don't last. And mm-hmm. um, we're we're fortunate that uh, you know we've been doing well, and the label believes in the band, and you know it's it's been great. You know, it's it's nice to have you know a family of people you know, on the business side of things that you're familiar with, and, and it's just like from how how many years we've been working with the same people it just seems kind of weird that it's like, it'd be kind of weird to do the same kind of routine, but like with people you're not familiar with. And, um, right. It's nice to have that familiarity because there's, you know, even though the Roadrunner went through some, some changes with being bought out by, by Warner, they still retained a lot of the same people that have been there since we started. So it's nice to, uh, that's great. You know, be, be, you know, have, work with the same people for so long and you're, you're comfortable with them and, and you know them personally that it's, it's very easy to, uh, you know, kind of, I guess, get the work done. And it's just, uh, you know, since, since we've been there, you know, it's, it's just crazy to think like our next record is our, you know, the final, the final record on our, our deal we signed like 12 years ago. So uh, it's pretty crazy to, to be one of the very few bands that have like actually like been able to live out their, their yeah, original the deal. Contract. So, right. Yeah. So it's pretty crazy that it's, you know, we've, you know, when we first remembering when we first signed it to, to actually think like we actually would, you know, complete the whole thing, which is, uh, I guess, a, a feat with how, you know, labels kind of churn out bands nowadays. And if it's not like a hit right away, it's like they don't even really have much of a shot to make a second or even third album. So to complete right. an eight album deal is pretty impressive. <laughs> wow. that's an, So when you signed with them, literally it was eight albums. That was what was in writing. Well, when I mean, we signed, it was still like, uh, like an old, an like the at that time it was like kind of like the the current, kind of like the standard right. baby band deal. But it was like you're guaranteed one album, and then it was like seven options. So it was like, oh okay, you do, you, you get the first record, then you have to pick up the option to uh, continue with the next record. So it's like it gives you pretty much like after that first record, it's just like an album to album basis. So um, if they don't, I guess if if you're not doing well or a benefit to the company then they have an easy way to uh sever the contract so luckily we've been uh we've, we've done well enough that uh it's <laughs> we're, we're picked up again 
That's great. No, that's, I mean, again, congratulations with all the success that you guys have had. I mean, and, and just to kind of piggyback up off of what we're talking about, I mean, you've been with the label for so long, and, and really it's impressive to see how you guys have sustained pretty much the core members of the band, you know, from the inception, too. Again, something I unfortunately commonly hear is, you know, numerous lineup changes and lots of gaps, you know what I mean, over the years in terms of going on the road, playing, recording, you know, having a hiatus for a period of time because of lineup changes. So, you know, talk a little bit about Matt and, and I'm not sure, how do you pronounce his name, Paolo? Paolo. Paolo. Okay, Matt and Paolo. Yeah. And, and, you know, evidently you're, again, strong uh, rapport and relationship that you guys have to be together for so long. And I know you've had some drummer changes over the period of time. But other than that, I mean, you guys have pretty much, you know, stayed together. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, you know, we've just always, you know, gotten along really well. We always hang out, you know, and, and also with like a lot of bands, you know, we've, you know, we've toured with a lot and we've just seen a lot of stuff like behind the scenes. And there's there's a lot of bands that like, you know, they might have the same, you know, have the same lineup or whatever, but there's this like, I think the one strong suit that our band has is we have like a really good communication system, you know, where no one gets, you know, you see a lot of bands that have like people like, hold things in or they don't talk to their band members mm-hmm. and just like mm-hmm. build like this, you know, hidden animosity towards each other. And um, so it's like, we have a really good, you know, we all hang out all the time. We go out, go out to dinner all the time, you know, on our, you know, before shows. Um, so it's like, we've always just, you know, had a really strong, you know, I guess band chemistry between the three of us. And, and we all like, you know, I think the one thing that kind of helped, even though we've had to swap out a few drummers, the, it's like ever since, you know, the three of us came together, it's like we've always been, the three of us, you know, been writing all the songs together. So it's like the, creatively there's not like a main songwriter that's like leaving the band. It's like the core right. guys, that, the core guys that, that bring in the, you know, the song ideas and stuff has always been consistent. So, you know, we feel that that's, that's benefited us that, you know, even if, you know, we swapped out a drummer or something, you know, the, the 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 core sound of, of Trivium is still you know still there and has ne- never left. So you know each drummer that we've had you know definitely on the songs that that we have we've written you know they've definitely each drummer's brought a different style that kind of differentiates you know it sounds different than you know the other guys. But uh, I think that, you know the riffs you know and the the songs mm-hmm. and the, you know, the vocals are always going to be consistent. So. Um, We've just uh, been, you know, one of those bands that just hasn't had much luck with, with drummers over the past. Right. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> right. But, uh, what do you think, real quick? Because again, I always I'm curious because I'm a psychologist. And that's what I do. So, what do you think it is about the drummer? I mean, is there anything that you can that stands out trait-wise, or is it just unfortunately the luck of the draw? And unfortunately, and again, it's not like you guys have had tons of drummers. I mean, there's been a handful. But was there anything that you saw like a commonality or a common theme? Um, like with us, like a lot of it, like the main thing for us is the the playing. And some some of the times I don't want to like you know dog on anybody like personally, but uh, you know it's in, in certain situations it's been you know the, the 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 playing side of things wasn't up to par where it kind of limited us. So it's like in a certain situation it was like the person you know the great dude, but like just you know wasn't where we needed needed it to be to, you know, fully, you know, capitalize on, you know, our whole catalog. And then other times it's been, you know, a combination of just playing and also just like, just personality with, you right. know, 
not not fitting in or just not getting along with the rest of the people in the band. So it's it's kind of like you know mm-hmm. it's either or or both, and it's just you know you know just mainly just you know like just need someone who can play everything in our catalog, and you know we've been able to you know find somebody now that uh that's a, that has the skill set that uh, can play you know the wide range of kind of songs that we have from the super double bass, you know, kind of fast earlier, you know, more technical side of the stuff. And then, right. you know, some of our other stuff was which is more just like groove rock bass. So it's like, you know, he just needed someone who was able to cover all the bases because, you know, we want to be able to perform any song in our catalog. So we don't want to be limited to not being able to play certain songs because someone's not really, you know, up to, Sure. That's not really their their skill set to to pull it off. So um, it's been fun now. You know, we've been playing a lot of stuff we haven't played in years, and it's been a lot of fun to uh, have that kind of I guess kind of freedom to play. You know, whatever you know, we kind of feel like playing now. Cool. No, well, thank you for sharing that. But that, like you said, that makes sense. A combination of skill set coupled with you know personality dynamics, and or a combination of the two. So okay. Yeah. Well, it's um, like I your, yeah, you might be on stage for like an hour and a half or something, but you know you have to live with people on a bus oh, for yeah. you know months at a time. So if you're if you don't you'll you'll find out pretty quick if you get along with somebody that well. Right, <laughs> right. No, definitely. And you know, let me tie this question in now because I thought it was really interesting. Again, another very just ongoing theme with you guys in terms of sustaining this longevity, whether it's with the label, with your relationship. I mean, you guys are basically on tour, writing, off tour, recording. I mean, you know, putting albums out one after another, you know, with some space, but because of your, you know, touring schedule. So my question is, you know, how do you guys maintain, like, sanity, so to speak, because you're just constantly churning? I mean, and it's amazing that you do that. And I think it's very smart. But is there ever a moment where you're just getting, I don't want to say burnt out, but you know what I mean. And and how do you sustain that? Um, well, luckily, we, we try to do, um, obviously, you know, we've been doing a lot more headlining stuff around the world that it's, it's given us the, uh, the ability to, <clears throat> we, uh, like, if we do, like, a, like a four or five to six week tour, we usually plan, like, having at least two weeks off in between tours. Okay. So everyone can go home and kind of like, you know, get away from everything, recharge and, uh, you know, kind of do like just, I guess, you know, stuff that you do at home. You know, a lot of stuff you gotcha. know, people have, um, a lot of the daily stuff people do on at home, that's kind of like their, you know, daily routine of, you know, just kind of get up and go. You know, we're able to, uh, you know, bring a lot of that stuff on tour and be able to do a lot of that stuff um, that we do at home on tour. So it makes it a little bit, you know, not so... I guess feel like road your road road life. It's kind of like you can do a lot of the same things that you do at home out here, and a lot of the times mm-hmm. it's like you know if you just you just go out and you know, get out of the venue, go out for dinner somewhere like a nice dinner and stuff. And you know we've kind of uh, adjusted over the years of just how much we toured that you're just kind of it takes a little bit more to I guess burn us out than <laughs> some other people. Right. But right. Uh, but usually the thing that you know if we're on tour that that really kind of gets to you is uh, sometimes like we just did a tour. We went from UK to Japan to Australia and then back home. So oh my um, gosh. just a lot of, lot of like 12 to 15 hour flights is that, that can get more, more burning out than being on a tour bus. So that's the right. only time you're just like, oh, I just want to get home. Cause you're just sick of being on a plane. Right. <laughs> right. Well, again, I mean, very impressed and just congratulations with everything you guys have, have done. Um, 
So to get into, you know, I want to talk a little bit about the music and then, you know, you let me know time-wise. We'll start to wrap things up shortly and I'll close the show with one of your songs um, when you go off the air. So this, I mean, this album is phenomenal, Corey. I mean, it's it's great. And I really like, I mean, every song is individualized in a way, but there's definitely a connectivity and flow with the, you know, with the music. So it's, and it's a little, a little more modern sounding, but still has your, the classic metal in it. So, you know, tell us about the writing process, because I know this is something you've been doing basically for the past seven years before you even got to the point that you were going to put this album out. So yeah, just give us yeah, a little the, bit of background on it. Yeah. The, uh, pretty much, um, the, the whole concept of the record, you know, kind of was built off the song silence in the snow. And, uh, that song was originally the, the main idea it was written back for, for Shogun. And, um, we we had a demo of it, and it's always been kind of sitting around in the back of our minds over the years of a song that we always knew had, you know, potential and could be a really cool song, but it just wasn't really what we were doing, you know, over those years. It really didn't make sense. And then uh, we started talking on the last last album, like at the very end of kind of or near the middle to end of the touring of what do we want to do for the next record, and we were kind of like throwing around all these ideas of just kind of like kind of concepts of, you know, what sound we want to go for or what we want to kind of utilize more or um, kind of make the focal point of the record. And just kind of everything that we were talking about seems to really, you know, kind of really hit all the points of what Silence in the Snow was for a song. So we decided to bring that song back and make that kind of like, let's build the record off this, this track. And, you know, we would kind of write more and more and the song started to come together once we kind of had like the, the starting point. And the more songs we got, we, and then, you know, with making each track kind of stand on its own was, you know, once we had a song and then, you know, if there was a song that was kind of in the same ballpark, we're like, well, we already have that song. Like what, what song does the record need that it doesn't have already? So we kind of like mm-hmm. kind of filled in the, filled in the gaps of like trying to make, but not just kind of writing the same song or the same style of song with the tempo or, or the, the kind of vibe. It was like trying to like trying to hit on all points of uh, you know having each track have its own kind of thing, and and we just kind of really worked and we're very we knew exactly what we wanted to, to do with the record that it made the writing kind of a lot easier to really get the songs that we needed because we were not just like let's just write a bunch of songs and pick pick our favorites it was like let's let's kind of like build the record and make it cohesive and uh, a lot of the stuff you know came from you know being inspired by a lot of like early classic 70s early 80s metal with Iron Maiden and like Rainbow and and stuff where they had you know like when you listen to the record it's like they had you know you know Number of the Beast you had like a short straight to the point song like Run of the Hills but then you have something more drawn out and longer and epic, like Hollow Be Thy Name, and each song kind of had its its place in the record. So we, we kind mm-hmm. of like used that as like not writing, you know, kind of making each song have its purpose for the record. So I think you know it was able to make each song you know kind of flow and you know having different tunings of guitars and stuff kind of like make each song have its own vibe as well. So um, it was just you know we just really we had a vision and we just really kind of just worked worked until we felt that we had what we were you know envisioning 
Definitely. Well, it's, I mean, I think you, I think you definitely accomplished what you guys were uh, set out to do. I mean, some of my personal favorites on it. I love Blind Leading the Blind is great. The Ghost That's Haunting You. Um, another one that's definitely a personal favorite I love is The Thing That's Killing Me. That's just, it's so catchy. Um, Beneath the Sun is awesome too. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's so, like you said, it's, it's so individualized, but it's still cohesive and everything kind of flows very nicely with each other. Um, getting into the, the concept when you were talking about the album, I, you know, I really love the cover of it. And I think it's, you know, I, I want to hear a little bit about the symbolism of this, what I read is an Oni skull. And I, Tell us a little bit about that and why you chose that. And, you know, it's interesting, too, how the cover is very neutral. Like, you don't even see your name on it. You don't see the album name on it. So, you know, just tie in some interesting information with how that, you know, really took off and is a symbolism that's in a couple of your videos. Yeah, the the Oni Skull, um, we kind of came up with the idea um, a few years ago. We were talking about how we wanted, like – our, our mascot like we, we were like man we don't have like like kind of like something where you can just <laughs> see it and just know it's like trivium we were kind of like yeah we want like right. our eddie or like the motorhead skull like something very iconic but you know that can just really stand out kind of be our brand mm-hmm. and uh, we wanted that and then uh you know luckily you know matt came with the idea he has actually the, the only skull is came uh comes from his uh one of his his tattoos it's like a, a japanese mythology story um, he's hmm. he's really good at telling the the whole story, you know. But I don't really I don't really know it like as well as he does. But it's it comes from like an old old Japanese story of this this oni skull and um, it uh, yeah. And we kind of like we've always used a lot of Japanese um, imagery or, or cultural stuff in our artwork or lyrics and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So we've always, we felt that it was like a you know a different way to, to go, and it's just. And then uh, the guy that does all of Matt's tattoos, he's like specializes in Japanese art. That uh, <clears throat> we uh, told him, you know, we wanted to make our own kind of oni oni skull for the band. So he came up with the original concept, which was uh, like more hand drawn. And then you know that's the whole idea was we wanted to kind of like really <clears throat> brand our 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 next record with with the skull and. Uh, at first, we were going to use the original artwork, but we felt like we could do something a lot cooler with it. So we actually got in touch with a uh, costume designer in uh, in Hollywood, and they actually made wow. real wearable masks of uh, of the, the skull. And that's what's on the the cover is right. the the actual mask on just on a white backdrop that uh, our photographer photographer took. And you know, there's like four masks in total and we did a bunch of different variations of uh you know black on black or, or black on white and <clears throat> there was just something about the white on white that just kind of really felt very like modern but also has you know the skull gives it the metal but we wanted to kind of have like kind of like a modern art kind of feel to mm-hmm. it and very we really wanted to use like this just a very uh minimalism kind of kind of cover mm-hmm. And and we always felt that, uh, you know, with our records, like the two records, we felt that we really nailed the, I guess the the visual side and the, of of the record was in Waves and 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 this one, because uh, okay. kind of feel that like whenever we do like, whenever you know if we go the non like metal look, um, it seems to kind of like give us a lot more uh, material to work with with 
you know, making the music videos interesting and being able to build like a story along mm-hmm. with the with the with the record. Um, so we kind of like whenever we go, we kind of like to go the non-traditional metal route on a lot of things with, you know, how we approach music videos or how we approach the artwork for the records. It's you know trying to like do something a little bit different that kind of I guess other bands maybe wouldn't really I guess approach it that way and. Mm-hmm. And Matt and his his wife are really into art, and Matt's wife does all the the puts together all the CD booklets and does all the graphic art stuff for us. So uh, she she knows a lot of like brings a lot of uh, influence into you know different things we can kind of take from other genres or other or styles of art that we can kind of like take little things that we like the the way they do it and kind of adapt it into the way the band is with with how we do our art so it's really cool to kind of uh you know kind of do things a little differently than than we did on our past records where we kind of relied more on you know somebody else to kind of make the vision come together with it was like a painting or they they drew it um right. kind of have to like kind of wait on them to kind of bring the idea to life and and once we had the masks it was like you know matt and our our one of our good friends who's and doing all the photography and uh, and music videos for us, um, you know, they were able to just do it together and just try all the different things and kind of see how everything fits together. So it was really cool. We had very, you know, everything was for the record was pretty much done in house, you know. So it was really cool to have uh, all the control over, you know, everything with the the art side of things to really make sure everything came together exactly how we were, you know, envisioning it to look. No, I think it's really cool, and I, I love the symbolism. And yeah, I think your, you know, your videos, especially Silence in the Snow and um, Until the World Goes Cold, which is personally one of my favorites. Um, you know, I think it, it tells a story, and I think it's really cool to kind of look at that and to be curious about what is this story about. And you know, for example, in Silence in the Snow, you know, it's starting out. There's little trickles of blood coming down by the end. I mean, you're blindfolded. There's, you know, it's really interesting in terms of the concept behind it. So. Yeah, I think you guys definitely nailed it with, you know, again, making something that's visually appealing and also telling a story. For sure. For sure. Cool. All right. So let's start let's start wrapping things up because I know that, you know, you guys are busy on the road and everything. So, you know, one last question. I mean, did you ever personally think that, you know, reflecting back 2003, you know, you're getting out of Full Sail University, you're joining this band. I mean, it's pretty surreal to reflect back on starting out where you guys are today. Did you ever think it would get to this point? I mean, it's just, it's just my, you know, blowing again. Well, we've, you know, once we, uh, once, you know, we started writing songs together and kind of hearing how everything was kind of coming together, we kind of knew like we had, we had something, you know, cool going on that we were really into. And then, you know, Roadrunner, you know, it was was crazy to go from like, you know, because Full Sail was only like a year school. So it was like pretty much graduating high school and then getting signed to a major label. It was like, you know, and there's not too many, you know, know, metal bands over the years that are like making their first record with a major when they're like 17, 18, 19 years old. Right. Um, so we were like really young, just kind of thrown in the fire and just kind of went with it. And the first couple of years was like, you know, we had all the success and all this great things happening, but it was just happening so fast. And just everything, your, you know, everything in your life was like just totally changed from <clears throat> what was going on. 
it was kind of hard to, I guess, really at the time, like in the moment, like take it really, all in. Like, <clears throat> really, and I guess you were having we were having fun, but it was like really to grasp like <clears throat> what was happening was, you know, pretty crazy because there's just so much going on. But <clears throat> uh, it's just you know we're just stoked. You know, we've always like just wanted to, you know, all three of us, you know, since we first got together, we're like all we wanted to do since we started playing, playing our instrument was we just wanted to be in a band and, you know, tour and, and make, you know, make albums. And, you know, we've been able to do that. And it's, you know, crazy to you know think because the amount of people that, you know, growing up as a kid or whatever have like, this is what I want to, this is my dream to do this. And how many people actually get to do exactly, exactly. what they, you know, they wanted to do, you know, we get to, you know, play music, travel the world and, you know, all, you know, just, create you know write music for a living and get to do all this cool stuff you know it's you know i never never thought even when i <clears throat> first started playing guitar or whatever that i had my my own my own guitar you know my own signature series guitar so it's it's pretty crazy wow. to uh, do all the things that like you know the, the bands that you grew up listening to were doing that inspired you so it's it's been a lot of fun and then you know being able to make music all over these years and you know inspire next generation of musicians to do do what we we're doing so um it's it's pretty fun you know we get to travel the world and and you know we played you know places where i never thought i'd even be able to go visit so <laughs> right right no that's pretty, just pretty, i mean it's awesome that's great um yeah so i mean congratulations again to you and all the guys with with all the success in the band and the album and i, I have to say i mean even when i hear until the world goes cold on Sirius XM Octane, I can't remember how long it came out ago. It was sometime last summer. Um, it, you know, it still seems like it was yesterday. So I just want to say that I think your music really has a timeless quality to it, too. Because it's almost like I feel like you released this album, you know, yesterday when I was doing research. I'm like, wow, these guys released this back in October. So I think that's something really, you know, to take home with you guys, too, is that you really write music that can stand the test of time. Well, that's, that's always a good, good thing to have, you know, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think it, we just, you know, we just, you know, every record, um, pretty much it's like we just write music that we just want to play in here as like a, a music fan. So um, it's there's it's just come it's just what we want to do with our music. So I think that also kind of helps with not trying to like jump on like a, a trend or, or trying to like mm-hmm. capitalize on something in the moment when uh, we just kind of just writing music for ourselves. And luckily, you know, people out there like what, what we like. <laughs> definitely. Well, I, I think you definitely hit the nail on the head with that stuff. So yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'll, I'll close the show with until the world goes cold. Um, if you want to give a little bit of a, you know, background on just, you know, the meaning or the concept behind that song, and then I'll, I'll let you get off the air. Yeah. That song, uh, that song was like a kind of a late bloomer. We had, a. Uh, original idea for the music that was a lot different but it was very basic and um just was like missing something but we we were like all right well no one else really gave that like when we'd play a demo for somebody no one really gave it like much thought and we're like well you guys don't don't hear what we're hearing in our heads and stuff and then uh we uh just started plugging away at the song and adding you know a lot of extra guitar bits and stuff to it. And, uh, you know, the song, you know, up until the very end, you know, the, uh, the intro really kind of was, gave us, you know, something new that, uh, we didn't have originally, which I think really helped kind of 
make the song kind of round it out. And, uh, you know, it was, it was weird. You know, that song, you know, we, it was the first song we recorded vocals for. And for some reason, some, some people thought that they're like, oh, this song's not, you know, not going to be a big song on the record. So we'll, uh, we'll do it first because in, you know, whatever. So we were, you know, we did the, did the song and, uh, you know, we, even before we were thinking other songs were like the lead single and stuff. And then once we completely finished the record and mixed it, um, we, we, you know, turned it over to the label and then we were kind of waiting for feedback. And then everyone at the label was just like, this song is a hit. The song's mm-hmm. gotta be the radio <laughs> single. And we're like, are you sure? Like, you know, cause for some people would tell us that it was like, they're like, yeah, it's like, I don't know if starting off with a ballad. And then some people were like, dude, it's not a ballad. It's heavy, you know, it's still rocking and stuff. So we, we right. were just kind of like, weren't totally sure, like, is, would this be the song that would like, you know, kind of break, break the radio for us or, you know, so we took a lot of, you know, advice from the people at the label that work in those departments. And we're like, dude, I think like, you know, like if we use this song, this gives me the best chance to, you know, do my job you know, fully with, you know, really getting all these radio people that don't really know the band or are not on board yet to, uh, to start playing us. And we're like, well, if you think that's, you know, going to be, you know, give you the best ammo to, uh, you know, really kind of mm-hmm. hammer at home. And so we were like, yeah, let's do it. And then the song came out and then it was, was on the charts for like you know six months and then, you know, wow. cracked the top 10. So the song was, uh, you know, had some, some legs, you know, it's, it lasted even, even now there's still stations that are adding the song and, and adding it to rotation. So it's, it's kind of like the song that's just kind of like, just, just keeps going. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. No, uh, definitely. Sure. I think it was a great choice. I mean, I really, you know, and again, I think, like you said, I think it's a matter of, you know, taking a little bit of chances and people probably know you, like you said, for having more of this metal sounding song and not that it doesn't sound metal, but it is a little more commercial. You know what I mean? That hook, once the chorus comes in, it's just like, to me, it's, you know, it's great. I mean, I have it in my Sirius XM radio. It's, you know, it's in my memory section of it and it's, it's, it's a fantastic song. So, like, yeah, so, definitely, yeah, uh, so. yeah, definitely reached a lot of new fans, which is really cool because we just know, you know, in America there's a lot of people that <clears throat> like rock and, and metal, <clears throat> and uh, you know, from touring with bands like Volbeat and Five Finger Death Punch, there's like a massive audience for those bands. And we're like, man, it's like, I think if we finally were able to like, you know, get people behind us and play us on the radio, there's a lot of fans out. There's definitely a lot of fans out there that would. Uh, that would like what we do, but they just haven't been, you know, exposed to us. So hopefully mm-hmm. it's, it's it's great. This, this record's kind of reaching a lot of people that are like, wow, I've never heard of you guys and didn't realize you had so many albums. <laughs> you know, so right. it's, it's cool that there's, there's people that like are essentially like to a lot of people, we're like a brand new band. So it's, it's cool that we're able to reach a lot of new people, you know, this far into our career and hopefully it just keeps spreading. Definitely. Definitely. Well, it's been an amazing interview with you, Corey. I really appreciate you coming on and uh, promoting the new album. It's great. And, you know, if you can, I'd really appreciate it if you could share the link for the interview. I think your fans would really like some of the stuff we talked about because I, I didn't read about any of this stuff anywhere else. Um, so oh, yeah. if you want yeah, I can send you the link for the podcast because anyone can download it for free. And I think it would be great for your fans to kind of hear some of this background stuff on, on how you guys came together. Awesome. Totally. All right. So that'll be great. 
Um, so, yeah, so I will I will let you get off. But just to let you know, too, you're always welcome back on the show for uh, when you have upcoming music and new stuff mm-hmm. coming out. And just want to wish you guys much continued success with the tour and uh, this new album. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah. No, it's been great. Thank you so much, Corey. And I'll, I'll close the show, like I said, with your song. Okay? All right. Perfect. Okay. Thanks so much. Have a great day. All right. You too. Bye. Okay. Bye. All right, everyone. Again, Corey from Trivium, and we're going to check out their hit single right now, which is titled Until the World Goes Cold. It is all over Terrestrial and Sirius XM Radio. So uh, let's check it out. And as I said, if you tuned in for some reason late to the interview, there will be a podcast available to download. And it was just a really great interview with with Corey today and, and learning some really cool stuff about their background. So here we go. Until the World Goes Cold, and we'll be back.
All right, everyone, welcome back to the Carrie Edelman Show again, Until the World Goes Cold by Trivium. Amazing interview with Corey. If for some reason you tuned in late, the podcast will be available for you to download or stream for free uh, once I go off the air. So thank you so much again for tuning in and for the support today. And uh, we will be back soon. Please become a fan of the Carrie Edelman Show by going to the Facebook page, um, and that's where I post all the upcoming interviews and events. You can also befriend me on Facebook. I have two personal pages, so if one of them is maxed out, just find the other one that's not because it's great to keep in touch with people that way too. And uh, lastly, you can also find me on Twitter at Carrie Edelman, and if you follow me, I will also follow you back. So thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in today. Again, Trivium, amazing band. Pick up a copy of their album, Silence in the Snow, which is out now. Thanks, and have a great day.